Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Stop punishing yourself with bland, chalky protein shakes and fuel your fitness with the best protein in the game at GNC. We've got the hottest brands and flavors that legit taste like cookies, your favorite cereal, indulgent desserts, and more. It's on at GNC. First, the bad news. SAP Business AI won't help you generate cubist versions of your family's holiday photos. But it will help you understand which supplier is best to help you roll out your plant-based packaging in Southeast Asia. Or identify the training your junior project manager needs to rise up the ranks. And automate repetitive tasks while you focus on big innovations. So you can be ready for the next opportunity. Revolutionary technology. Real-world results. That's SAP Business AI. All of us are on a journey of becoming, a never-ending journey in pursuit of truth and deeper union with the divine. As you know, faith is a complicated thing, and this journey of becoming can be both difficult and painful. Far too often, we have not been given a space where we can safely address the complications and issues that arise naturally. My name is Joshua Patterson, and I am also on this journey of becoming. I am dedicated to inviting you into my story and creating a space where questions and critical thinking are welcome. I want to take an honest look at the issues and questions so common to this shared journey. I want to genuinely seek out what it means to follow Jesus in our ever-changing world, in our unfolding and expanding universe, and in our pluralistic society. I have come to know that doubt is not the enemy of faith but rather that both doubt and curiosity are two of faith's biggest allies. I have learned that the Christian faith is more about wisdom and love than it is about correct doctrine or belief. And I believe that we are being invited to continually seek out both wisdom and love, renewing our minds, expanding our hearts, and rethinking our faith in the process. Thank you for joining me on that journey. All right, everybody, welcome back to the Rethinking Faith podcast. As always, I'm your host, Josh Patterson, and I have to apologize to you guys. It's been a little bit since I've put out an episode. Uh, specifically, I think it's been about like three weeks now, <laughs> which is uh, is not ideal. But um, things have been crazy. I think, you know, I had mentioned before on, on some previous episodes about uh, how Full Tilt, the, the brewery I was at, um, kind of got, you know, shut down. I got laid off unexpectedly and that kind of threw things uh, into the ringer. And luckily I had some interviews already lined up um, and, you know, recorded some episodes, but trying to find a job, trying to figure out how I'm going to pay my mortgage, et cetera, et cetera, um, kind of had me putting, lining up interviews and, and reading as much as I did on the back burner. And so I have a job again. Uh, thank God. Uh, or whoever you want to thank. <laughs> um, I am now brewing at uh, Union Craft Brewing here in Baltimore. So 
uh, any Maryland locals, if you want to come hang out at Union, hit me up and uh, we'll have some fun. But yeah, so I'm I'm back to to recording. I have a massive stack of books to my right. I have an awesome book here in front of me that I really enjoyed, uh, which is actually convenient because the person who wrote it is hanging out with me today. And that individual is Lindsay Medford. Lindsay, how are you doing? I'm pretty good. Yeah, having a good day. Uh, I'm almost right about six months pregnant, and that's it's a good pregnancy day. <laughs> oh, right on. Yeah, I. Yeah. Well, yeah, good a good pregnancy day. I can't pretend to understand what that uh, <laughs> that means, but <laughs> but I'll I will take it. Uh, my wife and I, um, children is a, is a topic that is. Uh, very current and live and active. However, we don't have any kids yet. So um, Mm -hmm. wink, wink, fingers crossed Uh, in progress, but (laughs) I'm sure uh, I'll, I'll learn soon enough. Um, But yeah, uh, Lindsay, first off, thank you so much uh, for coming on and hanging out. And also thank you for your flexibility. Um, I, you know, last minute texted you or emailed you, um, the you know for our previous time that we had set up to record and I was like I did a really bad thing I accidentally scheduled this interview on a date night <laughs> with my wife and uh, <laughs> you were very gracious and flexible and and moved the time to today so uh, thank you um, for yeah, your yeah thanks your for having me this is cool yeah so for people who maybe aren't uh, familiar with yourself or your work can you just kind of fill us in a little bit who is Lindsay Medford and and what kind of things do you find yourself doing. Yeah, I am a writer and speaker. I, um, my husband and my dog and I just moved from Charleston, South Carolina to Chattanooga, Tennessee. So we now live on Cherokee land and this is near where I grew up. Um, so it feels really good to be coming home, um, yeah, it's it's had me really reflecting on place and land and how that um, informs who we are. Um, so I grew up around here, super evangelical, and went to Christian college. Did a theology degree at just the right time um, for that school. It turns out, and I got a, a pretty good education and learned to ask good questions. Um, did some some like social service, social justice stuff in in and around the time I went to grad school and did a master in theological studies. Married my husband pretty soon after that when we moved from Boston to South Carolina and I was like, now it's time to change the world. And I was 26 and like, Two or three months later, I got super sick. Um, so I have been very much not changing the world for the last seven years, um, but writing, reading, learning, um, speaking, and um, still trying to find my way in social justice spaces. I'm always learning more. Um, so I have spent time with different activists and churches along the way of all this being sick and being a writer. So 
now I'm 32 and about to have a kid. Just put out a book, just moved. So it's been a big year. And that's me. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I, so you're, the title of, of your book that you wrote is called My Body and Other Crumbling Empires Lessons for Healing in a World That is Sick. Um, and I think prior to this, uh, you had done some other writing as well. Is that correct? Sure. Well, I've been writing on the internet for like 10 years. Um, blogging and writing for different places and people. And um, I, if you look on Amazon, I, I have several books, but they're uh, mostly like some youth Bible curriculum. And a and a devotional type thing that I self published. It's not in print right now. Okay, cool. Yeah. Well, nice. Um, but yeah. So the I so well here. I'll start with this. I really I really enjoyed your book. Um, I a little bit of background um on myself. I part of my story has been that I am kind of a person who tends to live. Uh, in my head. And uh, I have a hard time turning my brain off. I'm ADHD as fuck, if you haven't picked up on that about me. <laughs> and so um, when I I used to be a pastor, and now I'm a brewer. Um, and I had like really negative experiences working in the church that, you know, I've talked about a million times um, on previous episodes. But one of the things that that led me to is uh, working with the spiritual director and my spiritual director, her name is Sid. She was amazing. Um, one thing that she kind of helped uh, show me and teach me was there are different ways than just uh, using your brain to know things. And uh, then like, you know, my buddy, Greg, who used to be the co-host on this podcast with me. Uh, came along and and the kind of way he talks about it is like the three centers of knowing. So he talks about head, heart, and body. Um, and so things like embodiment became really important to me because I was like, whoa, this is a whole nother world, but also it lines up with my experience. Now I have language for it. Um, and so I really, really, really enjoyed uh, reading reading your book. I mean, I think the the introduction was was worth the price of admission alone. <laughs> I, uh, I I found myself. Uh, you know, tapping into maybe some uh, Pentecostal uh, roots, you know, cheering amen uh, while yeah. I was reading. <laughs> so well, thank I, you. Yeah, I went to college around here at Lee University and had uh, my Pentecostal little um, stream into my theology, for sure. Uh, yeah, the um, my previous uh, co-host, Marty, uh, it falls very much within that category. So uh, cheers to you, Marty. Um, <laughs> but before, so before we kind of jump in, I did, I on Rethinking Faith, one thing that is uh, super important uh, to myself, to my listeners, um, is this idea of story. And we kind of like to figure out the why behind the things that people do, because we just think story is, is um, so powerful. And so I want to ask you why, like why, why my body and other crumpling empires, like why did you write this book at, you know, and at the time that you did? 
Um, what's what's kind of the story behind it? That's a really good question. Because <laughs> I, I could have, I think I could have written it at any time in a in a space of a few years and then um didn't. <laughs> and it would have been a really different book depending on when I wrote it, right? Um and when I did write it was like super mid pandemic. Um, well, we signed a contract in 2021 and, um, but that was super live for me, especially, um, having an autoimmune disorder and being very afraid of COVID myself while the rest of the world is like, oh, that was, we, we did, we did that done. Good job, everyone. <laughs> um, so anyway, um, I, yeah, the story is I, was I got sick and I just was ready for medical science and technology to make it all better, right? Um, and I had, I did have this uh, disorder as a child, and so I knew what it was, which is a blessing. Um, and but also it had been in remission, and I just I'd almost like forgotten about it. So when I, so re-encountering it as an adult turned out to be really a really different experience. And so after, the longer I waited for the doctor to find, you know, the right chemical to fix my stupid broken body, uh, the, the sicker I got. And the more depressed I got because I don't actually believe anybody's body is like not stupid and broken, right? So... <laughs> Um, I had to develop my own relationship to this whole situation after a little while and started learning more about the immune system and autoimmunity and, uh, learned that it's, uh, there's a, a lot going on here and there's a lot of inputs to what could have been making me sick besides just the, like the unlucky gene lottery. Um, so then in this really long process of discovering what those things were that were making me sick, I, I learned how to work, work with and live with this body in a different way. And um, as time went on, I, you know, all the things that were making me sick were very clearly also things that were making, are making all of us sick. And making our system sick. So I actually started writing this book to be, to say that, right? Like, here are the things making us sick. Um, and it's, it's super unjust to me, but also it's not good for you either. So that was where I started. And then, but as I was writing, um, I had also been in this place and I kept moving farther into this place of saying of realizing my body was isn't just in this story right isn't just trying to say this is these are diagnose more problems um but I've also learned so much from my body about how we go about making these changes and so how do we live with a really complex system that we're never going to fully comprehend or control, but 
we still want, we still have like, we're people and we have aims and goals and visions of flourishing for our lives. And so how are we working within and alongside of all these really complex systems to try and go where we want to go and also be humble enough to listen and pay attention and um, to to work within this <laughs> and to work together. Um, and how what, how is that different from this, like the, what colonialism and empire have taught us about how we fix things rather than how we heal them? Yeah, that that's really good. I I, I resonate so much with um, something that you said, and also you you talk about in the book um, was this idea. You know, you kind of you you share your experience um, in you know dealing with uh, the audio autoimmune um, like issues that you're having uh, or continue to have, but like um, how kind of like the medical or like how things were treated were like more on this like mechanistic like trying to like heal these like small like different symptoms kind of thing um but rather like and like you know sometimes it worked sometimes it wouldn't and then you got you somehow got to this point you arrived at this point where you were like okay maybe it's a good idea to start listening to my body you kind of you had this kind of change in perspective from like my body is evil and out to get me versus, oh, well, maybe my Bible, my my Bible, my body <laughs> is actually trying to teach me something. Maybe my body is actually intelligent. Um, you know, how does, you know, if I listen to what my body's trying to tell me, how does that, you know, change my perspective or inform, you know, the kind of decisions that I'm making? Um, and so like for you, what... What did that kind of like process look like moving from my body as an enemy to like maybe my body is trying to help me? Um, and like what kind of things do you feel you learned um, about yourself um, when you started listening to the wisdom uh, of your body? Yeah, well, I wrote in like um book about when I was in college and learned a lot of theology about incarnation. And so in, in one way there was, I had always, since I was 19 or 20, really strongly believed that our bodies are, can't be evil. <laughs> um, that in some ways they can't be out to get us. I mean, a lot of us experience our bodies as places of pain and that doesn't have to always make sense or have a purpose, but at the same time, like, they still belong to who we are. And we could say the same about our minds or potentially like our pasts or relationships. Um, and that doesn't make them, you know, just whole pits of evil. <laughs> and so um, we, that the really, okay. So really what happened is as far as just changing my attitude was that my doctor wanted me to go on this drug that just felt really drastic to me. Um, and frankly, just because it was an injection, it made me really scared. I'm most scared of needles and I had had all these terrible side effect um, situations with other drugs. And so just like 
yeah, that, that way I was just really scared of it. And I was like, I will absolutely come back and do this thing with you, my doctor and science, <laughs> but I need a break from this, from the drugs. And so I, I was probably taking something, but I just was like, I need like a month or two uh, to get ready for this um, new drug or whatever comes next. And I just started researching. Um, and I guess the, the drug was also a turning point of like, I am, I have a chronic illness and it is chronic and it's making me ill and my life is not going back to normal anytime soon. Um, and so it was just trying to get curious. I read a whole bunch of books and skimmed a whole bunch of websites that just made these outlandish claims about autoimmunity in the process of trying to just sort of understand what an immune system even is or and what what medicine is trying to do about it and as I mean particularly because the rates of autoimmunity in the developed world keep going up and up and up and up and no one knows why. And so as a, like, even as a theologian, having been trained to ask about context all the time, ask why all the time, this, just the statistics of like, I'm not the only person having this experience really made me want to know what else is contributing to this situation. And so um, I found the, I waded through the, some, some medical journals and some nonsense books and found people who were saying, you know, the, you know, maybe there's foods that some people's bodies react to with inflammation and um, everyone needs sleep and maybe don't get enough sleep. Uh, you're really gonna have a hard time here. Um, fairly simple things that I mean, just my doctor had never mentioned. Like there was not a sense that I, I could, should or would have any agency in supporting my body and trying to heal. Um, and so that. I mean, frankly, this one book called The Autoimmune Wellness Handbook really changed my life and started me down this path of like, can I can I tweak something, see how it goes? Can I pay close enough attention to what's going on here? If and, and if I'm going to be on like, if I'm gonna be a, in this science experiment with all these like artificial chemicals that my doctor keeps prescribing to me is it might I just as well be in a you know scientific experiment with myself and just food sleeping being with friendly family and friends is really important um and so I guess I can we can be a little down on science but at the same time I was like becoming much more of a scientist um like paying really close attention to observing 
these variables and all of this. So um, I just, I learned that I can trust my body and I learned that it became very clear to me that, you know, we think of, we think that band-aids heal people or surgeries heal people or drugs heal people, but those things support the body's processes of healing itself. And we like, it happens every day and we, it's, we forget how miraculous it is. Um, and so I learned how many, and then as time goes on, I, I see so many more things that have this capacity for healing built into them. And we often really overlook and discount that. Um, what the resource and the um, miracle that's already available to all these living systems that are so resilient if they're properly supportive. Yeah, and I I love that you you kind of you you bring incarnation um into that kind of conversation. You know, like if you know if we want to talk theologically about things. Um because for me, like recently I was, you know, doing an, uh, a podcast with some friends and um, kind of talking about like religious pluralism. And one of the questions that was asked had to do like, I don't know, like what, something along the lines of like, what, like, what is like the one kind of like doctrine that you like still hold very precious? Um, and for me, it was incarnation. Um, and I mean something, you know, I can nuance what I mean by incarnation, but one thing um, that I think it means is is God deciding um, not to be God without us um, and with the rest, you know, without the rest of creation. And incarnation, I think part of why it matters to me so much is because gr- the way that I was taught growing up, like bodies didn't really matter. Like the, what really mattered was this like ethereal soul that I have. And maybe one day that's going to go somewhere else. And, you know, my body doesn't matter. But in, a, in in incarnation, you know, very orthodox way of talking, like within Christianity, like God became a human. <laughs> and so bodies probably have to matter for something. And so I don't know. I, I, I kind of um, I love that you bring incarnation into this kind of conversation um, because I think it helps provide like a like a nice, like rich and deep kind of theological underpinning um, to I don't know. To, to the whole kind of the conversation. Yeah, I mean, it just keeps growing for me. Um, and the more I just observe all this and live all of this, the more I really start to feel like I think God wanted to do this with us because it's like worth doing and there's and there's something really interesting and beautiful about it and and Right, just the way that the creation is alive and all of this is unfolding in this whole web of relationships is like part of, is like part of what Jesus was doing and and trying to tell us and show us. Um, that's what I think. <laughs> no, I yeah, I love it. I think the, so. This idea that you're you're hitting at is is part of why I loved your introduction so much. Um, is because so for me as a process thinker, uh, I hold very strongly to this idea that none of us exist within a vacuum, uh, but rather everything exists within relationship. Like I cannot be fully known unless people also 
uh, know the relationship that I have with my wife or with some of my best friends or the job that I have or the the kind of communities that I hang out in, uh, my past, my childhood, like all like nobody exists within a vacuum. And so this idea that everything is interrelated and interconnected, I think can sound maybe like hippy dippy or something like that. I think it's true. <laughs> and I think it it's almost speaking that way is kind of like a form of resistance, at least in our particular context in America, where everything is so hyper individualistic. Everything is so individualized and the way we look at things are so like mechanistic. Um, and I think the way that you talk about and focus on relationship um, and interbeing um is is really uh helpful and important so i i love <laughs> i love that you elaborate on that uh kind of throughout uh the, the book yeah i've been, i've been reading since i i mean since i left school i've been reading which is a while now i'm reading feminist theology and black theology and really influenced by certain indigenous um worldviews and authors and um even while learning a learning a lot and reflecting a lot on my relationships with poor folks and <laughs> I realized this like a, a year or two ago I was like I am Ross's thinker now <laughs> and I haven't I still haven't really like gone back to the the actual you know the the narrow field of open and relational and process theology but I'm I was like I used to be really scared of this and now I just realized that everything I said <laughs> was just that <laughs> yeah absolutely and I think it's um I love it too because then you take which I think is brilliant like the the kind of you use your own story and your own experience of learning about your body and the immune system and how it's this like deeply complex interrelated system. Um, and then you kind of use that as a metaphor to talk about like uh, all these other like different empires uh, and like other systems in the world. And I think it's, it was, it's so helpful because a lot of the times um, when we think about uh, major issues of like social justice or or like ecological justice, these kind of things. Um, it, it, we kind of think about it the same way as like our immune system, right? It's like, for example, climate change. Uh, Propaganda has a show called Hood Politics, and he recently put out an episode called like Fuck Around and Find Out. And basically it was about <laughs> the climate crisis. And what he was saying is like, people have been telling us and like that sign was a thousand miles ago and now we've like, we've we're finding out now <laughs> and so but what he was saying is like that feels so overwhelming to people because it's like what okay so what do i do and so it's it's similar that that metaphor you drag over then from like same with the immune system it's like wow this is like such an complex system it's 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 very deep it's not just about individuals um i mean the individuals matter but it's also the complex and um so that metaphor that you kind of carry throughout the book um I, I don't know. I really liked it. <laughs> I thought it was it was it was uh, it was it was witty and fun and um, illuminating and yeah. So it, it, I like it. <laughs> Thanks. 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, we we the mechanistic worldview you were talking about before makes us think that we have to comprehend something in order to control it in order to make it better. And that's not how really much of anything actually works. Um, it can be like, it can be like a really useful paradigm for something very specific on a probably pretty short timeline. But otherwise, we're, we never comprehend it all and we can never control it all. And we, it takes a lot more humility and takes a lot more patience to work with something, make shifts, do experiments, get creative, um, be work in the spaces and relationships in between things um, to make changes. But that that feel very small often from day to day, but become really deep and profound and and much more sustainable at the same time because they started so small hmm. yeah it and it, it kind of the metaphor makes me think too and i um if you didn't explicitly say this within your book i think you at least um kind of like hint at it is that like there is um kind of when we when we have these kind of conversations um about you know like crumbling empires like the, the healthcare system the economy uh racism um you know etc there's uh, gun control there there's kind of this tendency to fall on kind of one of two sides you either fall in the part you know in in the kind of thinking where it's like oh it's all a heart issue it's all about individuals and if only you know, we could teach people the right things and, you know, they could become Christians or, you know, whatever party you think they should be a part of, then things would be better. Or we can fall on like another side, the side of things where it's like, well, it's all systemic. Only the system is the problem. And if we could just fix the system, then everything would kind of uh, go away. But I think unless I'm misreading you, I think one thing that that you're seeing throughout the book is like, it's kind of both of those things. <laughs> like it's the, the systems matter, but so do the individuals. Um, Cause if we just fix individuals and they're good, the systems that we have still suck. Uh, but if we just fix the system and not individuals, then people still suck. <laughs> and so I think it's interesting how you kind of, um, and, and again, unless I'm like misreading you, I think you're kind of highlighting both of those things and offering them, um, in solution to some of the the crumbling empires you reference uh, throughout the text, is that do you think that's like a fair reading of uh, what you're trying to do? Yeah, yeah. Um, and I've I managed to keep my Adrian Marie Brown quotes to a minimum, um, but it the her book Emergent Strategy and the sort of emergent. Uh, social justice thinkers that have coalesced around that um, have really are kind of like a hidden heartbeat of the book. And so a lot of what they have to say is like, we're not going to build systems and structures that are just if we are practicing them on a really small scale. Like it does not make sense to imagine that we are going to like, again, like 
construct a just machine and implement it and either like change all the people in it somehow just by being part of it or that the people in it will become irrelevant um and we don't want that right like like, i mean maybe some people don't like democracy but i like democracy and that requires us to stay in relationship with each other and to make change in this system is really really hard and it's also hopeful i think and it could be really joyful Yeah, I I I love it. It, it kind of reminds me um it, there's a book that I like called Mystery Without Magic and it's just like it's a um guy named Russell Prejean and he's like trying to offer um like a like a theological perspective that's like more naturalistic and not just like you know, how can we how can we embrace mystery without just like saying oh it's like this j- just magic. Um and he kind of he has this bit in the book where he's talking. He's a process thinker again. He, he's thinking about um, self, uh, like self care or like like inner spiritual growth and development. These kind of things, and how that often gets written off by people. And he's saying, well, like actually, as a process thinker, someone who recognizes that we don't exist just in a vacuum, that I'm not just an individual, but rather I exist within this community. Um, actually doing the difficult kind of inner work and confronting, um, you know, my own prejudice or my childhood traumas or whatever is actually because I exist within this web of relationships, doing that inner work is actually also part of healing the community. Um, And it doesn't, it starts there. It doesn't end there, um, but that these ideas are are deeply, um, connected <laughs> and so I, I don't know i just i love that that's kind of uh like a, a through line throughout uh your book as well so yeah yeah and this whole night like fake totally false dichotomy felt like just felt really like a difficult intense for me for a long time and then i like just kept being in these actual spaces where people actually try to make these changes um with activists and social justice nonprofit church leaders and they just kept seeing people trying to take shortcuts without doing their own work and it just doesn't it's really ineffective like regardless of whether they feel good or I want to judge them it's like very clear if you spend enough time in some of these spaces that like people are really in their own way and um so yeah, when we talk about self-care, it gets so like everyone's sick of that word, but there's a reason we still need it. And there's a reason I'm really excited about Dr. Shaniqua Walker Barnes's book about self-care that's coming out later this year. I will have to add that to my list of books to read. <laughs> I think it'll be in the fall. I'll have to take that. Okay, cool. Awesome. Awesome. Um, well, so, all right, I'm trying to think where I want to go. Cause like I said, ADHD brains in a million places. Um, hmm. so, all right, I want to, I want to, con- I want to try to continue the, the body metaphor, um, and then try to take that metaphor and focus it on one of the things you talk about in the book, um, which is the earth. And how did you phrase it? Like the earth and other like 
trash heaps or something like that. Uh, Earth and other priceless trash heaps. <laughs> and so I, I kind of I want to try to talk about that a little bit. Um, so when I like with in my perspective, uh, theologically, one thing that I find um, helpful is kind of so like I'm a panentheist. So I think like everything exists within God, but like the universe doesn't exhaust what God is. Um and so a, a metaphor that's been handed to me recently is kind of like thinking about it's actually a, a body metaphor and it's thinking about um how like you and I but also like other animals creation etc are kind of like cells uh within the body of God or like the body of Christ whatever language you want to use um and you know each one of those individual cells uh it plays an important role um has certain feelings like our cells impact our body um impact ourselves and and we also too have relationship with uh ourselves to an extent and so when i think about that imagery um i like it because i i think it's beautiful <laughs> and it's like i hope that it's true um and also i have you know like boring philosophical um and metaphor uh, metaphysical reasons why i think it's true but also I think when we start thinking about that and taking it seriously, then it helps me to not um, write off really anybody because it, it recognizes that like you and I are kind of in this together, right? And it's uh, kind of like the the idea that, you know, what I do to myself, I do to you, I do to my neighbor, this kind of thing I do to God. Um so it, it helps me in that regard, but also when it comes to creation and, and talking about uh, like the climate crisis, it's like, oh, well, like this matters because this is the body of God kind of thing. Um, and so I know maybe that can sound weird to some people, um, but I just think that body metaphor and the, you know, even if we zoom out and don't talk about it as weird as I did, or just recognize that like, we're not, um, living on earth but we like come from earth like we're a part of it <laughs> yeah um, and like we're a part of ecosystems and things like this um i think can really help shape how we talk about uh climate crisis and and things like that so i, I would just be interested in like uh and like your opinion how do you think about um those kind of things in ways that you have found helpful um i'm thinking I just is just what came up. My I'm thinking of something a friend in a writing workshop said, Clint. Um, I don't know his last name anymore. He, but he, we were talking about this one time a few years ago, and he said, "We talk about throwing things away, but there is no away. <laughs> it goes somewhere, um, and we just don't see it. And just because we don't see it doesn't mean it doesn't exist and doesn't continue to affect us and doesn't continue to be a responsibility. Um, and I think maybe I'm just extending your metaphor even further, but um, we there's so many things we could talk about on a daily basis that we think of as a way or think of as not not mine or not my deal not my sphere and um they're actually deeply intertwined with our choices or um our histories or any number of things and the the point here is not just like 
you to feel bad for throwing things away. But the point is also that things are designed to hide this from us, right? Like if no one wants the landfill in their backyard, but if it was in your backyard, maybe you would put less stuff in it, right? And there's so many things um, that, you know, in economics or whatever, we just, we just call it an externality and forget about it. And that's, there's no external. There's, there's one closed biosphere and this is it. <laughs> um, and I mean, that became really evident with a lot of things about my life and, and I would, that I was treating my body that way before I got sick too, was like, well, th that like I perceived my body to be an, an infinite resource and and like a thing for me to exploit at will. But it wasn't, it's not even like, is my is my body fighting back or is my body just like you know depleted? Um is it just have I put enough like crap in it not like just because I did not think about it um have I taken in like so much from it not really for any reason like that was a good reason just because I didn't have to think about it um which maybe is like a universal sin of the young that I'm being a little too hard of my on myself about but um it was it just became very clear once I was sick, that my body does not operate that way. And um, that if I want to work with it, I have to be kinder to her and have to listen and have to even just, um, again, going back, like, not just identify problems or find things to blame but really be curious in terms of like, what if this symptom was a clue? What if this was trying to tell me something? What if the thing that it feels like my body needs is the thing that my body needs? <laughs> um, and we can do that with the earth. We can learn to do that with the earth. Um, Collectively, it takes more, it takes more work and organization, right? Like it takes more scientists, it takes more attention from all of us and the, to to get our representatives and leaders to pay attention. Um, not seeing careful, close attention. But there are so many ways we can be working with this system if we're willing to again really interrogate what we mean when we say some of these things about externalities and growth and waste and what's quote-unquote feasible like well is it feasible what's not feasible what is feasible in the next 10 years is not feasible in the next 200 and we we can all just repeat that over and over or we can start to practice maybe we have to practice on a really small scale first, what it actually even looks like to shift how we perceive time and efficiency and effectiveness and sustainability itself. Yeah, I think, <laughs> I, 
Yeah, I don't know. I like I don't know a better way than to to start small and and go from there, especially like when things like money are involved and that there are people who are making uh, a lot of money to protect uh, certain ideas and certain ways of doing things. Um, But I think also too, like us as um, members of society, as consumers, whatever, like money talks, (laughs) we, you know, and what I mean by that is like, we we can not support certain things um, or, you know, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. That's that's a whole nother rant. Um, <laughs> but uh, one thing also, too, as you were just talking that I was reminded of um, when kind of when you're talking about like uh, our bodies um, is I've, I've read a lot of uh, Thich Nhat Hanh's work. Um, if you've heard of him, he was uh, like a Zen Buddhist teacher. Um, and one thing that I actually I hadn't thought about in a while, um, but that he kind of did just as like a daily practice that's very pragmatic is when he would wake up in the morning, um, he would kind of give thanks for the different parts of his body. And it sounds weird, but he would kind of like out loud be like, oh, good morning, eyes. You know, I see you. Thank you. Um, Or like, you know, my back hurts. But like, oh, well, like, good morning, back. You know, I I see you. Thank you. Um, And kind of learning to hold... uh, his his like his view and his perspective of um his body but he also talked about like his emotions this way um kind of in yeah. the same way that like a mother might hold like a like a screaming infant um with like care and compassion <laughs> um yeah. and just being grateful uh for the gift that our bodies are um and so i don't i don't know i i hadn't thought about that in a while and and as you were speaking that that also too kind of came to mind um like the pragmatic side of things so yeah I definitely had to do that myself um especially well I'm pregnant like good morning feet we didn't recover last night um but uh yeah I but I mean I think there's a that mother image um you know when I start talking about well, I just have to be really faithful to this routine of of getting enough sleep and getting enough time with my friends and family and being outside and um, taking my meds. And like th- these, these are the things that keep me, you know, when we talk about sustainability, this is my like do it or lose it sort of life. And I, I think people immediately turn to like organizational strategies and life hacks and this this like discipline and um willpower to do all this and I'm not saying that it was not hard particularly at the beginning to shift towards this just do the thing (laughs) but there was also very much an element of like no one besides me has the job of taking care of me and like, am I gonna resent that just because I'm not used to it? Or am I gonna let this be let these be practices of tenderness? And am I gonna resent my body for offering me feedback about whether you know what's working and what's not? Or am I gonna say, 
thank you for these signals and let's yeah let's do what we need to do um to calm this you know like I think actually like inflammation is such a clear um signal you know if you think about a bug bite or a burn it's, it's like burning and red and inflamed and you're like this is a signal that like something is wrong or if you uh twist your if you twist your ankle you're you're actually you're not going to be mad at your ankle for trying to get you to stay off of it right because that's what the inflammation is doing um and so even this was even though this my inflammation was on a much bigger longer more miserable scale um I had to learn to take that attitude towards it in order to that was part of this whole you know the living system of my life that I was learning to shift that was a big element of that system was how I interacted with the different parts of my body from day to day yeah I I guess for me within like my own life um you know like I I haven't had to deal with um any kind of like chronic illness or anything like that um but I did I had a stint of like really bad depression and anxiety kind of you know coupled together I still most definitely deal with anxiety <laughs> but um uh the depression and anxiety like the the mental health issue um I haven't thought about it quite as explicitly this way but if i kind of try to frame that in the same way that you're talking like what is um this you know depression and etc what is my what is my body trying to tell me um actually think like looking back at my you know past history in those like kind of darkest times um I think there actually was deep wisdom in what my body was trying to tell me. Like I, I developed depression uh, when I was in like, you know, the first church I ever worked in, it was a deeply abusive situation. Um, it was not good. <laughs> and then um, moved to another church and that church was not nearly as bad as the first one had its own kind of issues. It felt like I was working in like a teenager soap opera or something. Um, yeah. very dysfunctional staff dynamics, that kind of stuff. And then finally moved to a church that was really good. Um, and there was a lot of healing, but then it continued because I, my internal world and my external world weren't aligning. Mm -hmm. Um, and it took uh, therapy and spiritual direction to kind of come to that realization. Um, but then once I did, and I started acting upon the things, uh, you know, that um, were part of uh, why my body was responding in the way that it was, um, things started to slowly but surely get better. You know, and now I'm I'm in a place now where um, I definitely miss some of, you know, my, my past experiences is like being a pastor and stuff, but um, I absolutely love making beer. Um, I love the brewing industry and, you know, the, the customers and the, and the people that I've got to meet. Um, but even just listening to my body in, in that sense, moving out of the space that was not healthy and into a new one worked wonders. And so that like, yeah. 
I don't know. As you as you were talking, I was kind of like, oh, actually, you know what? Hmm, interesting. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, just yeah, I've I've had that experience a few times. I, I I've had it. I've had it enough times that I'm. I think I'm starting to get better at being depressed. I <laughs> uh, you know like better at um doing that listening and um shortening the the acute episodes uh, yeah but, but you I think I do think the only way for me had to do that has been to just be really excessively impossibly like gentle and kind to myself in a way that feels like like not like whatever we would call progress it does not feel like it feels like um I don't know like everything could halt forever because because there's no way to know the future there's no way to know exactly and, and there's there's often a I think we do often have a sense like a almost unconscious sense that we're about to discover something we don't really want to know and um slowing down long enough to to find that out feels very scary as well but um, yeah I, I super relate to that I, I had told for whatever reason I just told a story in like one little page about how I actually experienced that in college um and that was kind of the first place I had this experience of being like Oh, like once I got better, I could see that I was sleeping so much because my body like was going to make me slow down. And I was crying all the time because I like would not let my emotions like be metabolized and I would not um let them be safe in relationship and but you know it was time for them to go somewhere and so there um yeah th th that was my first experience of being like this was a really horrible thing and well if I don't learn to listen to it and work with it even if I don't like it, I, it's going to just keep getting worse and be like super bad news in the future. So, yeah, I've been there, too. Yeah, no, I I love the 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 kind of like verbiage used there. Like, I'm, I've gotten better at being depressed because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> I, I kind of relate to that, too. And like, like, yeah, you just like learn different tricks and learn to kind of like slow down and ask you know, your body and yourself, like, okay, what are you, what are you trying to tell me? Um, and, and then kind of go from there. Um, but I guess like one more question that, that I'd like to ask you is just, um, and maybe it's an unfair question, so forgive me. Um, but you talk about a, like a variety of like other crumbling empires, uh, you know, as you extend your, your metaphor throughout, um, the book include like healthcare, the economy, the like importance of community, um, talk about the earth, like we mentioned, um, but like what if you had to pick one <laughs> like is there a crumbling empire um, currently that you are super passionate about um, and like like why is that which would if you had to pick one <laughs> what might it be man I have been I've been really trying to like find the words and I think I'm really close to finding the words but it's been like 10 or 15 years where I've been trying to 
and be like, we are, we are missing a, this really essential vocabulary and paradigms for like how everything is connected. And so I do really resist isolating, um, isolating things, but I would say in our new town and in this, what I've been reading and pondering lately, um, both homelessness and poverty have come up a lot. And I think, um, they, I, I've known a lot of unhoused and poor people at different times in my life and been in pretty close relationship. And they, those relationships and the way of life and the ways we think about prosperity, I don't, the way those the ways those relationships have changed my life has just consistently been at the core and at the foundation of a lot of other things ways I've come to think and act and um want to want to see the world change and and I just so much when we talk about empire we talk about capitalism we talk about whiteness um we're really missing so much when we talk about these systems without being in dialogue with the people affected by them, and which always like kind of always comes down. Um, those most affected are those living in poverty. Um, and so, and of course, the reasons we excuse and allow poverty in the richest country on earth are, are aspects of a whole culture that is super damaging to all the rest of us as well. And, and the system, the effects of the systems, you know, having like really traumatized and under-resourced people around you is not a nice way to live. Right? With most I think most human societies in most of history have recognized that. And it's not even like, are you a good person or a bad person? It's like, we're not going to tolerate living like this. Um, so yeah, you got me on a rant. So I guess that's the, um, the one that's foremost for me right now. <laughs> no, it's, it's good. It, um, it reminds me too of like my friend, Terrence Lester. Have, have you heard of like Terrence or like any of his work? Um, he does like love beyond walls uh, specifically works um, with uh, people currently experiencing homelessness. He wrote a book called I see you. He has a new book coming out from IVP uh, called all God's children. Uh, but Ter- Terrence is awesome. And love beyond walls is, is a really awesome um, organization. Uh, but I, I love that you, <laughs> I love that that's, that's the crumbling empire. Cause I think what's cool about it is, is it still, it demonstrates your point that all of it is inter interconnected and interrelated. Cause when we yeah. talk about racism, like the communities that are affected, the worst are the poor. When we talk about yeah. climate change, people who are affected, the worst are the poor. <laughs> when we look at like COVID-19, this, this massive pandemic, the poor were affected heavily. Right. And so like, then this gets into like intersectionality and like, Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera, right. Um, and so I think it it really is. Um, it, I don't know. It's the 
the way that our current society is structured uh, bothers me because it produces um, so many uh, poor people kind of as like, it's like a product of the system. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And it's like, it's like a part of the system. It's like almost like in order for this system to work, it's a necessary evil and blah, blah, blah. But the people on top don't give a shit because they're happy and good and, and like it doesn't matter right like um yeah i don't know then i'm gonna start ranting and and swearing a lot and saying things that are not nice <laughs> well, i would just add i i really yeah. strongly believe that the poor are also we, we're all like oh this is just too hard and i'm too overwhelmed and we just don't have enough resources like the poor are the ones that are exercising the creativity and the skills and the interdependence that are that we the rest of us have lost and there's a lot of you know it it is more complex than that as far as like how we share leadership and how we start slowly shift these systems but um they're they're the ones that are doing the thing already no a hundred percent i think that's such such a good point because it it Oftentimes, uh, especially for um, people like myself who come from like a more privileged background perspective, like, you know, grew up in like an upper middle class uh, white family in America. I currently am like a middle class white cisgender male. (laughs) And oftentimes when we see problems like uh, poverty or race, etc., there's this tendency to kind of have like a savior complex that doesn't actually allow room. Um, it, it, it just, it adds to the problem because then it's now like putting yourself still higher rather than like these, <laughs> like rather than taking people who are actually currently experiencing these things and being like, Hey, what do you think? And you know what I mean? So like this, the, again, it's the relationality. It's, it's the mutual, um, relationships that we have it's 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 not looking at thing at at mechanistic um but rather it's this like deep interconnected relationship um and and community so um yeah when you talk about starting with our bodies i think um one thing i forgot to say is like that is a really at least in our culture that can be a really intense exercise in humility but humility is just such a key ingredient to this whole thing we're trying to to reimagine yeah i know i humility and uh curiosity are like i think two of my favorite uh spiritual practices <laughs> or spiritual disciplines that i think we could all um uh benefit from uh you know practicing uh both of those things so i'm i'm with you <laughs> Uh, yeah, well, um, Lindsay, I, I guess I could ask, like, is, the, is there anything um, that you're like, oh, my goodness, I can't believe Josh didn't bring this up um, or like any kind of like <laughs> any kind of like uh, last words or something like that um, that you would like to to share or offer uh, to our listeners as we, we wrap up our time together today? I guess. I have been thinking a lot that people listening might have this question of like, you keep talking about slowness and shifting things and waiting and patience. 
and smallness and like all the, you know, you're also talking about climate change. It's really urgent. What do you even mean? And I do think, I think the crumbling empires part is like, there is this piece of like, if we're looking at a longer scale, a deeper scale of our fundamental scale, a more whole and holistic scale of change, there is a like, there's a survival element too of like some of these things are going to crumble and it's going to be really painful like in the meantime of something new emerging um and that actually that i really that's also why i think the input of poor and marginalized folks is so vital too because like they know how to survive and i think the rest of us are coming very quickly to the realization that if that if we are not practiced in sort of literal survival, sometimes we're behind the curve. And um, I think that sounds really scary. I'm trying to make it a lot less scary in the book. Um, but I just want to wanted to acknowledge that that sounds super drastic. And in some ways, it is really drastic. Um, but there's also just so much hope. And there's so many people throughout the history of humanity that have survived crumbling empires and made something beautiful of it in the meantime. And we very much have the ability to do that. Yeah, I dig it. And I guess <laughs> within, within uh, Christian circles, some might call that life, death, resurrection, maybe a helpful metaphor. <laughs> um, you know, within more like, um, you know, um, indigenous kind of theology, you can talk about like the changing of the seasons uh yeah. there, you know there's there's so many ways like richard Rohr calls it like the wisdom pattern um and so yeah i don't know I, it's it's deeply helpful and um oh sorry i think um on top of that too like Lindsay, again i i really enjoyed um your book i i enjoyed this conversation i apologize i feel like i've kind of been all over the place um tonight so it, it's a it's a process <laughs> book it's a little everywhere so i'm totally down Sweet. <laughs> All right. Well, um, where is where might people uh go to find you to connect with you, uh connect with your work? Yeah, um my website is lindsaymedford.com. That's L-Y-N-D-S-E-Y. And you can find um link to wherever you might like to buy the book, My Body and Other Crumbling Empires, at that website. And you can also the place to keep up with me most reliably is via Substack, and that's of course there as well. Awesome. Well, I'll I'll be sure to link those things uh, in the show notes. And yeah, listeners, do yourself a favor, pick up a copy of Lindsay's book. I I really enjoyed it, um, and I think you guys will too. <laughs> I love. Uh, I don't know. I think there's something beautiful, and I I say this all the time on 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 this podcast, but. There's something beautiful when somebody is willing to um, go deep, like go deep within their own story and put it out there um, because then other people uh, might find themselves there as well. Um, and I, I think uh, the world gets better <laughs> every time somebody is, is willing to go deep enough into their story and, and put it out there uh, for the benefit of others. So thank you for doing that. Um, thank you for, for your work and, and the, the kind of conversations um, that you continue to have. So I enjoyed our conversation. It's time been together. a gift to me too. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Well, Lindsay, have a, a great rest of your evening and listeners as always uh, go in peace. Peace.